I would like to welcome you all very warmly to this yoga and meditation retreat at Gaia House. This is Helen and my name is Yanai and we're very happy to be here to uh, spend these days together with you exploring spiritual practice and uh, inquiry together. And I was just uh, reflecting and noticed, uh, looking back on one of my files, that this is actually the, the fifth year that we've done this together, and rather nice little anniversary, really. <laughs> um, and uh, some of you here have uh, been to quite a few of those, and uh, some of you who have been here for other retreats or sat retreats at other places, and some of you who are doing something like this for the very first time. And uh, it's wonderful if you're coming the first time, and equally wonderful if you're coming back for further retreats uh, of whatever form or flavor. Uh, so we'd like to take a little bit of time this evening just to speak about the, the, the framework of what we're engaging in, in the, uh, the context of the retreat, the, uh, the yoga, the meditation, and, and the process and practice of being here, what that's sort of about in a certain way. It's a wonderful, at least from my point of view, it's a wonderful thing that people choose to come on retreats. It's pretty clear to me that there are so many other things you could be doing over the next few days and certainly by my experience of many of those options and my observation it's not necessarily the case that lots of the things available to us actually really nourish our hearts or really serve the well-being of our life or the world. And yet they can be very tempting and uh, sometimes compelling, the many different things we get engaged with, feel drawn by. And it's not to say that there isn't real value and benefit in many of the other things we could be doing, but there's something really powerful and something really precious about taking some time to step away from the momentum and the busyness of the life that we are normally engaged with, in order to look more clearly, more deeply into that which seems perhaps or is in fact more important or more true, that touches us perhaps more deeply in our hearts. And so this essentially is what a, a retreat offers the opportunity for. A stepping away, not out of any rejection or disconnecting with the rest of our life, but as a way of not so much stepping away from, but step from our life, but stepping more wholeheartedly into what is most important in our life. And establishing and cultivating ways of being that support that process of connecting, of deepening, of coming to understand what it means to be alive, awakening the remarkable potential that we all have for kindness, for caring, for wisdom, to be able to live in this world in a way that is skillful, that is wholesome, that is beneficial. And this is a a noble undertaking. It may not be what necessarily was in one's mind when one thought, oh, yoga and meditation sounds nice, might give it a try. Um, and yet, I think probably in order to make the decision to come to a retreat like this, there's some sense for all of us here of, of an interest in what is most important, of a, of a willingness to perhaps go beyond what we're familiar with in order to discover something new. And this really is the, the potential of this retreat. Some process and journey of discovery. And it's not a journey to somewhere else. It's not a journey in which you are required to become someone else or to get to some other place. But really a journey in which you are invited and hopefully supported through the form and the practices to come more and more 
close to where you already are, to come to understand what it is that we are and what it means to be this, that we are. This human life that we live can easily be taken for granted and yet it's a precious thing, a mysterious thing, a remarkable thing. And so a retreat is a time to tune in to that whole journey, to that whole exploration. And it's something that people have always done. Not all the time, not everybody, but in all times and places in history and around the world, people like ourselves have recognized, have realized the need for some space, some creating of a of a different container for our lives. Not to simply be pushed by the pressures of the material world and the, the imperative that comes to us to produce and consume and produce and consume with the, it seems, endless cycle of busyness and stress and dissatisfaction that's, that that easily creates. So while what we're doing may seem a little strange perhaps to some of our friends or families and that maybe that there have been those who've said to you, you know, what are you doing? And looked at you a little bit strange. Guy house, that sounds a bit strange if not weird or possibly even dubious. Um, but I'd like to say to you that you're actually in really good company. Not just the good company of those who you're here with, um, many of whom have done this quite a lot. But in the good company of many people who have gone before us, some living, many now dead, who have really explored the path to the human heart and the path of a life that is conscious, that is connected, that is caring, that is compassionate, that is awake and free and at peace and have transmitted to us through teachings, through practices, through even simple environments in this room here that we, we practice in, or we do the, some of the practice in anyway, that we've now, has been a, uh, a hall in which we practice meditation and sometimes other disciplines such as yoga or qigong other courses, that this for now, I'm just trying to quickly calculate, about 12 years has been, a, 11 or 12 years has been a place where such practices have gone on, but not just these last 10 or 12 years. Prior to that it was a, a place of spiritual practice in a different tradition. And so we have a sense of stepping into a, a stream or a current, a flow of intentionality, of momentum, that I would characterize as a stream of goodness of uh, human beings, people like ourselves seeking to bring out bring more fully into their lives and into this world the, the goodness of what it is possible for us to not be satisfied with just surviving our lives, but to really learn to live in both the challenge and the poignancy and equally the sweetness and the beauty of what it means to be alive, to be a human being. And so in order to be able to do this, what we, as well as joining in with the, uh, in a way, the momentum that's already here, we also create together, we co-create, the space and the place for our practice, for our journeying. Although the grounds and the buildings of Gaia House are here and the structures, the organization, the, uh, the wonderful beings who live and work here to make this place what it is. 
which is here for us as we arrive, there's also then the coming together of this group of about three dozen people. There'll be a little community for these next few days together. And together we create the environment. We create an environment externally together and equally within ourselves that supports and facilitates the process of the heart and mind and the body opening up. Opening up to reveal what they have to reveal. And so there's three <coughs> core foundations, I would say, to this environment that we create together that are conducive and supportive to what we'll be doing, what we'll be engaging in. And the first of those foundations I'd like to briefly speak to is the, the silence that we sustain here at Gaia House as an environment for practice. For some of you, this will be the first time you're spending some period of days without speaking. Now, there will be one or two opportunities for speech in terms of uh, interviews with Helen and myself and maybe around practical matters with one of the managers if needed. But for many coming at the first time, the idea of being silent can be a little daunting. It's a little, hmm, what's that going to be like? And probably if it's the first time you've already been confidently assured by your workmates or family or friends that there's no way you're going to be silent for how long? Five days? Ha, oh, come on. Um, and so I just want to say a little bit what silence is about. Because again, it can look like it's somehow about withdrawing or disconnecting. And we may have experienced silence in our maybe early years as either a punishment or a rejection. Like, you know, we're not going to talk to you, you're bad, or we don't talk to you, we don't like you. That's really not what the silence is about. Silence is a way of being together in solitude. Together in solitude. They seem to be somehow opposed or contradictory, but they're not. A sense of solitude is what can be found when we begin to turn towards our inner life, our heart, our mind, our body, and connect with it more fully and wholeheartedly. And what tends to be the case for most of us is that when we're caught up in the day-to-day -day activities and the, the busyness of sort of verbal contact, speaking, talking, relating, we tend to live somehow out in the world of words, in the world of concepts, and in a constant process of trying to make ourselves into something through our stories, what we're telling, what we're hearing, trying to project someone who everybody will like, wondering whether we should like other people who are projecting themselves towards us. And it's very easy to be focused externally and to lose contact with ourselves, to lose contact with what's actually happening within, to maybe even not really establish or develop a, a deep and intimate relationship with our own life, with our own heart, with our own mind, with our own body, because we're so busy relating to everything out there. So silence is really about taking some time to be with yourself, to connect with yourself, and yet Doing it together means that we have the support, and at times we really benefit from that support. And we equally offer support to each other by doing it together, by being with ourselves together. So while we are in solitude, we don't have to be isolated. We don't have to feel separate. And so with that, there can of course come at times the urge to want to talk, because it might be nice, or it might just be it's getting a little scary in here with myself. I don't know what to do with myself. And the really, the clear encouragement and invitation is to stay with your experience. As I said, there will be opportunity if you need to speak. Um, or, sorry, even if you don't need to speak, there will be opportunity to speak with Helen and myself in um, group interviews and some individual spaces for those who wish. And if it should be that you really need to speak to someone, then you can contact one of us and we can speak with you. We, we won't be in silence, as you've probably already noticed, uh, at least on my part, and Helen will get her chance in a moment. Um, we'll be speaking. It's not that there won't be any sound. Silence doesn't mean an absence of sound, so please, uh, you know, allow the sound that comes to be there. It's not like someone made a noise that's, we're supposed to be silent. 
there's a value in a certain quietness because it allows the ripples of busyness to begin to subside. Sort of like in a pool of water, if we keep stirring it up, there's something that we can't, we can't really see through it to the depths. And so silence is about allowing ourselves to settle. So we start to clarify, we become clearer. We begin to be able to see through that which is on the surface. And so I really invite you, and particularly if you've come here with a friend or a family member or intimate partner, to give them and yourself the gift of solitude for these days. It's really important that we all respect and support this together. And it's a profoundly powerful, transformative environment to create, to be in silence together. And so, to take it as an exploration if it's the first time. And at the same time, if you've done it a number of times before, not to assume you know what it means to be in silence. Leave yourself a little room to just rediscover it afresh, rather than, I, I know how to do it. You know, if I get a bit bored, I can always go and read the label on the tea bags, you know, which people sometimes do. See what it is to be, just to be. And in the silence, recognizing that we can live our life through concepts, through ideas, through words. And when we do so, we can live at one step removed from our direct experience. We can live somehow apart, living in the idea rather than the actual, living in the imagination or the memory rather than the immediate. And practice very much about connecting with what's here, what's now, exploring this that is rather than that which was or which might be. So, stepping out of the world of words allows us to come closer to the heart of our experience, to the depth of our being. And the second foundation I'd like to speak about that we really create together is a sense of simplicity. Have you noticed in your life that despite the fact that there's all these labor-saving devices and this modern technology for making everything easier, and all these gadgets that do all these remarkable things that save us from having to think about too much, that somehow it seems to get more and more complicated, more and more busy, more and more things to do, despite the fact that this vast amount of energy and um, sort of technology has gone into making it all supposedly not that. It's kind of interesting. But what's equally interesting is that we might think, wow, I could really do with a break from all that stuff I have to deal with in my life, all the busyness, all the things I have to do. So I go on a retreat, go a house, that sounds good, nothing to do, they tell me. Well, work period once a day for, you know, but less than an hour or so, that's all right. And yet, it can easily be that we're rather dependent on having something to do in order to know who we are, or in order to feel that we're okay in some way. And although there's really not that much to do here, We'll be doing some meditation and yoga and sitting and walking and moving in different forms and seeing these things as very much expressions of the same inner practice and journey. But it can be that we start to want to have to, a bit more to do. So we ask you not to engage in reading and writing, to again put away the world of words and the way that we can tend to fill up the space if we can't do it by talking to someone, at least I can read, or maybe I can write. And it's again the world of words that we depend on so much. Although there may be immense value and perhaps profound wisdom to be discovered in the teachings of some enlightened or wise master, greater wisdom will be found in your own experience, through your own experience, if you can meet it unmediated, if you can meet it directly. And of course, you know, we, there is the, the form for if you need to communicate with you know, Helen or myself or one of the managers, you can write a note, of course. But not to be writing notes to each other, please, that's really quite important. Again, in terms of respecting the solitude, 
And the other thing that more and more needs to be mentioned and made really clear is that mobile phones. Somehow one sometimes gets the idea that people think, well, I didn't talk to it, so well, I'm not talking into it, so it's still silent, or it's still simplicity. But turn them off, put them away, and if you don't think you can manage that, hand them to one of the managers, or Helen or I, and we'll look after them for the days. And I promise you we won't call you know, Timbuktu, at least not for very long, um, and give them back at the end. It's like the ability to step away from all of that. It seems it's getting harder and harder. There's never a moment one has to walk from A to B and be on one's own with nothing to do. So like I can get out my thing and start to talk to someone. I can get out and start sorting out my inbox or my outbox or my photographs or check what MP3 files I've got in here to listen to. All of which could be wonderful, but could equally become the perpetuation of a habit that ultimately doesn't bring peace or satisfaction. And so here, the emphasis towards simplicity. Don't add anything that's extra. Keep it as simple as you can. Again, this is a real gift to yourself. And if you find yourself at some point starting to feel the urge that you need to go in and refold all the clothes in your suitcase or make sure that your socks have been well ironed, you know, don't do it. If you can possibly not, just let things be and see what it's like to just be where you are. Likewise, if you've come here with some kind of project, you know, maybe you've got, you know, sort of the, uh, the last quarter of a crocheting blanket that you want to finish off in the spare time. Probably not, but who knows. Um, again, don't engage in such projects here. If you've come here with a project for what you need to fix about yourself, all the things you want to work on, you know, I need to get more concentration, get more flexible, develop mindfulness, you know, understand the... Uh, the teachings of yoga and teachings of meditation. Lovely to have that aspiration, but don't make a project out of it. Give yourself the space to see what comes, see what arises, and explore that, rather than having already decided what it is you think you need to do. Because that may or may not be what is actually the most important thing, or the most immediate thing. And again, what that does is it creates space. Space is something that it's easy to not value. Our culture doesn't really value it. We value things that you can put in the space and fill the space up. But space itself is actually one of the most precious things. And creating space is one of the most precious gifts. So by not placing things into the space, we're actually allowing ourselves to receive that gift. And that's why we <coughs> encourage it. Because in that space, things can move. Things don't have to be quite so tight as we might be familiar with experiencing them as. Not so much tightness and there's more room for life. Life needs room to grow, to move, to flourish, to flower. And it's like, what, what can we do to allow the soil of our, our being, the soil of our heart, to be, to be something which the the seeds of wisdom, of compassion, to, to root deeply, to grow and bear fruit. And the third foundational framework for the retreat that uh, creates the space for us to be in together is the is the precepts, which the ethical foundations, which I think the managers will have mentioned to you them very briefly. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So I'll just speak to them a little more. Now you're aware of what they are. In terms of what we're engaged in, or what yoga and what meditation are really about, it's important to understand that it all comes from really a sense of caring for the well-being of life, of others, of oneself. And that if it doesn't, it doesn't really work. It doesn't even really make sense, actually. That at the heart of spiritual practice is a recognition of the value of life, the preciousness of life, the profoundness, profundity of life. And in recognizing that preciousness, the wish to care for it, to preserve it, to enhance its well-being. 
And so making an intention to, so far as one can, refrain from causing harm, which is really what the precepts are about, is an incredibly important and powerful foundation to have in one's life and for one's practice to grow from, without which the practice isn't really on solid ground. And so, in terms of those precepts, to refrain from taking life or harming other beings, understanding that just as our health, well-being and life are precious to us, so too to each and every other being we encounter. Even those whose life might seem to us insignificant, if their life is threatened, struggle desperately to protect and preserve it. So all creatures, all beings, having that sense of caring and respect, or even just being curious to imagine what it might be to make space for all beings to live their life too, just as we would wish ourselves to have the space to live our life. And having said that, knowing that we can't help at times but have some impact on others, other beings, other ways. But what's important is that the intention is there, the sensitivity is there. Likewise with respecting the property of others. And so much suffering comes to us if those things that are ours are not respected, or are taken, or are misused, or are damaged. And refraining from causing that suffering or pain to others by respecting property. With regard to sexuality, it's important to understand and the precept in the context of a retreat is to refrain from intentional expressions or acting on sexual intention. It doesn't mean that we somehow have to become asexual beings or there's anything wrong with sexuality in itself. It of course has its place and can be a wonderful part of one's life if one wishes that to be so. But in the context of the retreat it's about allowing ourselves just to be with ourselves, allowing everybody else not to have to be somehow the objects of our sexual interest or disinterest. That we just meet as human beings. And there's something rather simple and rather beautiful about that. And it's also about gathering in the energy that can sometimes, and there can be a lot of energy involved with sexuality. Although one might be sitting there thinking, well, you know, it's not not much chance of all that happening, is there, you know, sitting here in silence, not really going to get to know each other. Um, but it's more like just seeing what is it about that tendency we might have to seek sensual gratification, whether for some sense of um, validation in ourselves or simply for pleasure, or out of a genuine wish for intimacy and sharing. That we have the opportunity when we don't act on the different energies or currents or impulses within us to actually come to understand them more clearly without rejecting them. And so in the context of daily life the precept is about refraining from causing harm through sexuality. In the retreat, refraining from intentional sexual activity. The fourth precept to refrain from harmful expressions of speech to maintain, to support the silence for everyone's well-being and to speak what is true when you have the opportunity to speak in interviews or what is true, what, feel, what is genuine, what's real for you or in, if there's need for some practical contact with the managers likewise. And there's something also about that precept about truth. To be willing to question, not just the words that come out of our mouths, because there won't be so many of those in the next few days, but equally the thoughts that come through our minds, which is very much part of the verbal function as we understand it in Dharma teachings. The whole linguistic function begins as thoughts. And to speak, to see how much of what passes through our minds is really the truth. Or how much is something we assume we know the way things are, but we really don't know. Not saying it's untrue, but just to leave a little space for uncertainty that maybe it's not quite the way I imagined. Just again, to begin to open up some space inside. And the fifth precept, to refrain from the use of uh, 
alcohol intoxicants or drugs that uh, cloud the mind apart from of course if you're using you know a pres prescription medication or medicine for you know your physical well-being that's quite a different thing but the sense of really respecting consciousness having almost a reverence for the precious capacity we have to know our experience to not seek to distance ourselves or to cloud that experience by uh, the sort of the, the warm fuzziness of, of substances we can use to alter or distance ourselves from our experience. And so in that, that sense of taking on those precepts, which we ask everyone here, not just those of you on retreat, but everyone living and working at the house, we, we take this on in a sense of the, the preciousness and the sacredness of life and as a way of creating an environment in which there's a sense of safety so that we can actually trust that it's okay to be open, to be perhaps vulnerable, to let our defences down, that we're in a community together of people who have committed, at least for these days, and I'm sure for many of you for, for your lives, to that intention towards caring, towards non-harming, without having some absolute view of being able to do it perfectly, because maybe we won't, but knowing that's our orientation. And so then we have the sense of safety, simplicity, caring, and silence that really is the environment that most conduces and supports spiritual practice. I think, although I have some more to say, I'll uh, invite Helen to speak a bit now since I've been going for a while and then continue with some more things later. Yeah, I first want to say Thank you to the managers of Gaia House who made all the effort to bring us here together. And thank you for all of you, because this is in a way a meeting, something has brought us together. Um, I'm a yoga teacher since more than 25 years, I think. And I, I was just thinking how the face of yoga has changed. When, when I started practicing yoga, I, I think I was one of those lucky ones. I was born 10 years after the Second World War in Germany. So uh, there was such an adventurous time that uh, Germany had recovered from the war. There was wars coming up. And, and I was one of those generations who were very much into exploring who am I. Uh, I, some of you might know it's the time when Frederick Pauls Gestalt therapy. So it was a very, very exciting time. Um, and I had at that time the capacity and the willingness to explore what is life about. And so I came into the yoga practice. So my step into the yoga was very much informed by spiritual search. And then over the years, the, the face of yoga has really changed. I remember then when I started my yoga school that people came and it was more about relaxation, tension, so much work. And then in the recent years, again, it has changed. It has become very much of a fitness uh, regime, uh, losing weight, stopping your age process. And, and, and it's just interesting to see how, how it has been shaped. Uh, we don't know why it happened and how it happened, but you can see this evolvement. So I'm, I'm still sharing what I got out of the yoga, a sense of a spiritual path. And I recently spoke to somebody who works in advertising. And he said, look, Helen, in fact, nobody really wants to lose weight. He did some campaign for the fitness centers, and then it's like, do, do this and this, and then you lose weight. And he said, no, it's not about losing weight. It is that people think they will look nicer, 
then they will find a partner, and then they will be happy. So he says, everything what we are doing is about happiness. People want to be happy, and that's why they want to lose weight. In fact, if they could, they would like still to have their old lifestyle and happy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that was such a profound insight that we all want to be happy. And I think the teachings of the yoga, and that's why the teachings which Yana and I share here, they are very much interlinked because they bring us back to this place, seeking our happiness, to, to ask ourselves what is, what's really there, what makes me happy. And I think in this way I'm very grateful because I was very lucky I went to a Buddhist meditation center in Germany. And then I went there on a yoga retreat and met my Indian yoga teacher. And his teachings hold a lot of what Yanai mentioned. Simplicity. They're very simple. Often people say, how is this possible? These are really simple movements. And they're still so deep and at times challenging. And it's really simple movements. So just for those of you who have never done yoga before or feel they have knee problems or back problems or shoulder problems, don't worry. And I even feel you should never compromise on your happiness. So I remember in my yoga school in Hamburg, I had some professor from the university and he always slept. He just came to my yoga class and he was extremely exhausted. And after one or two postures, he just fell asleep. And I thought, he's happy. When he walks out of this room, he's really happy. He had a good rest, he had a good sleep. And so we let him sleep. Now, we will encourage you for sure not to fall asleep. But there might be times in need in your body that it really needs to sleep, especially in the yoga, because we do things in the lying. And there's a habit in the body and after a week it's tired and it might just fall asleep. And I think then you should accept that. Now if this goes on for days and days and days, then you might ask you, what's wrong here? Why am I still sleeping? So then you might ask yourself, is there perhaps a little bit of a, an avoidance? Because then when we're kind of always sleepy, we might avoid something. <coughs> but you will know that. And sometimes there's the odd case when I ask somebody to lie on the back and this person lies on the front. There's nothing wrong about it. If this person wants to lie on the front and I say lie on the back, if that makes you more happy, then feel free to do that. Because I feel I'm teaching and I'm sharing something with you. I'm sharing the teachings I have received from my yoga teacher and they have made me brought me in touch with more happiness. So I'm sharing them. But at the end, it's up to each of us to take and digest it and see if we want to use it or not. And yoga is a lot about experience. And I, I can assume, and I know myself, often I have a cookbook and such nice photos in it. But how often do we really cook? And you can visit people who have recently, friends of myself, have bought a house and the kitchen was brand new. And she said, yeah, the lady put this new kitchen in two years ago, but she never cooked. And with the yoga, it's sometimes the same. We want to engage into a practice. So because what we want to experience, we only can experience when we're doing it, not when we're thinking about it. So the whole days here, we engage in doing and experiencing. It's like we are our own laboratory. And we're trying to explore what, what is lacking in our life that we quite often miss the sense of happiness, <coughs> of contentment, of satisfaction. One of the elements, again, which we share in these two traditions, we will slow down. My yoga teacher, Raja Gopalan, always compares this when you're sitting in an intercity train. And if you're looking out of the window, everything will be very blurred. You can't see much. But if you slow down, 
then you can see a lot. So the practice we are engaging in all these days will be a practice of slowing down. And obviously that is not always easy. I always remember when I have been on the motorway and then I come down here into Devon into this very small, nice roads. It feels very, very slowly, isn't it? Because your mind is in such a fast lane. And so allow yourself to acknowledge that. You might experience how you're responding to that. And for some, this will be very, very enriching. And for some, there might be a moment where it's really jerky, where you really feel like, oh my god, that is going too slow for me. I'm exploding. If you feel this, go for a jog. Use that energy and make use of that. So that then when you come back into the yoga practice or into your sitting, you're there and you can sit. For me, yoga is a practice where each day I start new. And I think some of the things is in the yoga practice sometimes we assume we know posture and we get into some kind of drivenness, the next achieving. I feel each morning my posture is totally new. So again, I, what I want you is to become very subtle with your awareness, to explore what, when you did yesterday, your standing pose or your sitting posture, it will be very different the next day. And you know this from people, they come and say, oh, yesterday it was so easy, today it isn't easy. Our body is in a very subtle way, constantly changing. So the whole path of the yoga is using the body to find, to understand your mind. And it has somehow, we often only see the pictures of postures. Now, those of you who have heard of Patanjali, which is the root of the yoga, he defines yoga as the cessation, the silencing of the mind. He says, when all the activities in your mind have ceased to be there, and there will be a silence in your mind, and then you will understand who you truly are. So in fact, the practice you're engaging in is a practice to understand who you truly are. Somehow, we got lost perhaps too much in the physical side of things because that seems to be easier. That's something we can see, feel, touch. But the whole yoga practice is about the body is just your gateway. So you're using the body to enter into this inner space, which is then referred to as the cessation of the activities of your mind, so that you experience a stillness, and in the stillness you can see who you truly are. So therefore, this environment is very beneficial because it gives us the outer silence. And it's very challenging, because I often felt when I was on a retreat, Everything around me was very inviting, very quiet. But my inner life was like a soap opera. So um, if you really attend to it, I'm, I'm sure you won't miss any book, no television, nothing, because your mind is often very active, can tell you lots of stories, very, very entertaining. So in this case, if you've never done yoga before, I hope you, you will deeply understand that the yoga, I think that's why I'm teaching it, because I went to university to become a school teacher, and then I went into yoga, and, and it was so beneficial for myself that I felt I want really to teach this, I want to share this with other people. So my hope is for sure that when you engage into the yoga practice here, into the meditation practice here, that you take something home which touches you. If you already do a yoga practice, and yoga teachers are very funny in this way, we are very attached to our practice we are engaging in, then I would suggest stay with the practice you normally do, but for this day, see if something 
what you are experiencing here you can put into your practice. So it's nothing, so if you do a very different practice, perhaps very fast, very, very, very different to what we are doing here, just see if there's something in the practice which will enrich your practice. So it doesn't mean just because I'm teaching it perhaps different to what you know that there is a wrong or right. It's just to explore what is possible in your yoga practice. Because we are yoga teachers, we sometimes have a big ego. I just noticed that somehow uh, we are our body and sometimes we are our mind. We have a tendency to stick and to fight with each other. If we look into the root of the yoga, we know it's really the search for the happiness. My yoga practice is on the physical side on informed as I'm also a Pilates teacher. So um, there will be a focus that obviously you will increase your body <coughs> awareness so that in your practice you will be sure that it is safe. So you will work what they call nowadays your core muscles, so area where you stabilize your abdominal region so that your lower back is safe and obviously you will get enough information for issues around your alignment. But we start there and hopefully you will explore the deeper sense of the quietening of the mind. The morning session is uh, pranayama which is very gentle breathing and just a few stretches and in the afternoon we will have a longer session where we will explore what we what we are doing and then about two hours asana practice, posture practice. Okay. I think with all these things is you have to taste them, isn't it? You, you go to a restaurant and they, they write down what's in there, but to really know what it is about, you have to do it. So hopefully over the next days we will explore that together. So we've been sitting for a little while, perhaps uh, you might like to, you don't have to, but you might like to take a moment to stand and stretch or if you just want, don't go away because we've just got a little bit more to do, but uh, if you just want to give your body a little ease by moving or standing, please do. just sort of listen and sense to see what you need. Um, if you do want to uh, stay seated, we'll be here for probably another 15 minutes or so. Uh, so that's why I'm encouraging any of you to stand up who might think your knees or your butt or some part of your body will at the end of 15 minutes have thought, hmm, maybe standing up would have been a good idea back then. But that's up to you. feel like you've done what you need to do, you can uh, find your way back down to the seated position. And it's fine if you want to use a chair at this time or at some other time and we have more chairs if you need chairs. But uh, for now, just coming into a seated posture.
the essential thread of what we'll be doing in the various different forms and practices is to do is to do with consciously attuning to our immediate experience and observing what actually not just observing at a distance but connecting with what's actually happening what's going on what's unfolding what's impacting what's moving and so really at the heart of everything we'll be doing whether we're as we will sometimes call it meditation or even insight meditation which is a a teaching and a practice drawn from the the teachings of the Buddha or what we're at times going to be calling yoga as uh, Helen mentioned drawn from the teachings of Patanjali but the the core of what we're doing in some ways we could say is drawn from the, the teachings of life insofar as this capacity to connect, to be conscious, to be aware of what is occurring in the actual moment, in the immediacy of that. This really is the thread that weaves through the different forms that we'll use and that is the remarkable and potent agent of transformation. So, although there'll be quite some different instructions and some various tools and technologies that we'll be uh, sort of inviting you to explore and apply. In another way, really just orienting towards being awake, being open, being interested, being engaged, being connected to what's happening, to what's here, to what's now. This is really the underlying direction of what we'll be doing together. And understanding that in doing this, this is, while at one level rather simple and ordinary, at another level it's something quite profound to begin to sense into, to begin to touch. And although it's relatively simple, it might sound, many of the things we might describe or suggest won't be that complicated. Do not mistake that for the fact or the idea that it might therefore be easy. Because some of what we'll be engaging will be quite challenging. And to give yourself space, to take it easy on yourself, to not be hard on yourself, and at the same time to be wholehearted. There's something really powerful about doing practice together. And there's things that we'll find ourselves capable of that we might not have imagined before. And there will be ways in which the presence of each and every one of you will be supporting, of us, will be supporting each and every other one. So having a sense of really dedicating yourself in this time, not just for yourself, but for everyone here, is something really powerful that helps us carry through those times that may be challenging. It might be a little unfamiliar or unknown to us and therefore maybe not easy to enter into. And at the same time there may be those experiences which are rather sweet or delightful or beautiful, uplifting. And to really allowing ourselves to be touched and to enter into those places too. Without somehow trying to get them for ourselves, but understanding that this is, this is part of the journey. And essentially the journey of awakening, to understand what brings true happiness, to understand what genuinely resolves the sense of dissatisfaction or suffering that we can experience in life. It's for this that we practice, that we do what we'll be doing here together. And so, we'd like to finish the evening by just spending a little time in meditation together. And I'll give some brief instructions for this. Tomorrow morning in the sitting after breakfast at uh, 9.30, after the work period in fact, um, I'll be giving much more full and detailed instructions for the meditation. And there will be some development and progression within that, though that 
core and the essence of it will be the same through the through the days. And in that, to just have a sense that at the core of it, it's quite simple, will be really useful. And that simplicity is just what we've already spoken to. Connecting with what is. Coming into stillness in order to see and to know what is true, which we could say is that which we are, or that which is. To know this directly. Because it's not something else anyone can tell us. Or we can get out of a book, and yet it's right here. It's not somewhere distant. It's right here. And in learning to be right here, in our yoga, in our meditation, in our being, with all the different activities of the day, the potential for discovering this is amplified and immediate. So, just taking a moment to feel your body. Just have a sense of what it's like to be here in your body. It's like the body is what tells you you're here. Because mind seems can go anywhere, it often does. And uh, probably will continue to do so, even when your intention is it for it to do otherwise. But knowing that we're here physically is, gives us a root or a, a ground, an anchor that we can come back to. So just feeling your body. Allow it to be upright and yet relaxed. So the mind is alert and yet at ease. And just noticing if there's tension or tightness in your body. And for now, if there is, just taking a moment to feel it. Letting it be there and at the same time giving it permission to release. Without trying to make it go away. So there may be tension in the face, or the neck, or the shoulders, maybe in the hands, or wherever. And just breathe out and allow it to begin to softly dissolve. And as you feel and sense your body while you sit there, Allowing your attention to begin to connect with the experience of breathing in and breathing out. The simple, natural, rhythmic flow that sustains your life moment to moment. And just noticing what it's like to feel the experience of breathing in. To experience the feeling of breathing out. Right here, right now. Resting your attention with interest in this experience. And if you notice something else arises in your attention, a thought, a sound, a feeling, let it be there. You don't need to reject it or struggle with it, but nor for now needing to focus on it or pursue it. Just let it be as it is and reconnect your attention with the breath. Simply being present right here and right now with this breath just as it is. Alert and yet at ease. And so we'll practice together like this for five minutes or so.